Hi class, uh, welcome to uh, chapter 10. And uh, please, before we start that, uh, most likely it's gonna be look at the, the, the e-learning side of uh, Google Classroom. There will be assignment also. Um, and it's uh, due uh, next week. So uh, I look, and it's a group assignment, same like we did in the old one. So I look forward for your uh, feedback and your submissions of assignment of not this week, like the one we are doing now, like the week after. Okay, thank you very much. And I will make that announcement to do date exactly when and what you're supposed to do there. Thank you very much. So let's start uh, with chapter, today's chapter. Okay, so in today's chapter, what we're gonna be talking about is we will be talking about uh, the monetary, uh, the global money system, how it works. Now, the international monetary system is basically the international monetary system refers to the institutions arrangement that countries adopt to govern exchange rate. So if you're buying something or selling something, you need from outside the countries, you need to pay in their currencies or, you know, or your currency and you have to exchange these currencies as exchange rate. So one, one Canadian dollar equal with a 0.7 something uh, American dollar. So if you're buying something in, in the USA, from USA, you have to do this exchange rate. And the exchange rate is according to the demand and supply of currencies is influenced by their perspective, respective countries, relative inflation rates and interest rate. We will be talking about more details. If you take in economics with me, you will understand much better what is this. But in this case, all you have to do is you look at the currency supply in the market is like uh, another product. There is demand and supply for it. There is also um, other things that influence the, the exchange rate is the inflation, how expensive the products is going in that country, and the interest rate, if it's a high or low. It's not affecting the, the demand for uh, and supply of currencies uh, in, in, the, in the market. Now, when the foreign exchange market determines the relative value of a currency, we say that is adhering to a floating exchange rate regimes. The exchange rate for converting one currency into another currency adjusts depending on the law of supply and demand. In the free market, um, according to the supply of, uh, according to the law of supply and demand, the rate of the price of that currency changes. So let's assume that if there is too much uh, too, uh, currencies of Canadian currency, too many dollars in the market, um, there is a high supply and there is a demand is low. So the price of the Canadian dollars goes down. If it's less, then the uh, demand for this for the Canadian dollars goes high. So this is like will cause the price of dollar to go high. So why it goes less than um, 
the demand fluctuate and demand the supply. The reason is for the international trade, whether you're doing a product, service, or something. The country, for example, Canada, when they are selling oil or selling product or a service, they demand the Canadian dollars. So somebody who's buying their products, they have to go and buy from the market the Canadian dollars to pay them. Now, to do that, if there is a limited uh, Canadian dollars, the price goes up. And if it's uh, lots of Canadian dollars, the price of the dollar goes down. It's just a regular supply and demand law. That's in the, in the free floating one. Now, in the international monetary system, we all know there is a four major trading currencies. The biggest one is the US dollar. And it comes in the European Union, the Euro, Japanese Yen, and the British pound. There are all free floating against each other. So you see them, there is, they go up and down against each other. Their exchange rates are determined by the market forces and fluctuation against each other. So they are all depend on whether, uh, you know, the, the market determine the prices of these, these products. Now, what we have, we have other definition, which is something called a pegged uh, exchange rate. The rate at which currency value is fixed relative to a reference currency. This, let me give you an example. UAE dirham is always considered to be fixed, but fixed, their rate is fixed relative to the American dollar not to everywhere or other currencies. So the American dollar goes high, the UAE dirham goes high. And if American dollar goes down, UAE goes down. Now, um, there is other countries who do it uh, peg to two currencies or three currencies or basket of currencies. And uh, that's, it's a different, uh, we will talk about it later on, but this one, pegged exchange, is when the Canadian uh, American dollars goes high, UAE dirhams go high, and if it goes low, UAE dirhams goes low, because they deal with um, level of uh, availabilities of their, you know, uh, according to the US dollars. Now you have what you call a dirty flow system, which is countries who allow to have their currency goes high to certain level or low to certain level, after that, they interfere with it. So in a, in a word, another word, a system in which a country's currency is nominally allowed to flee, float freely against other currencies. But the government will uh, intervene and start, start buying and selling currencies if it believes that currency has driven too far from its fair value. In uh, best example, you see the Canadian uh, dollars, they trying to keep it at around 0.8 to 0.7 uh, price to American dollar. But if it goes a little bit higher, then they will try to dump more Canadian dollars. So the price goes down of the dollar. If it goes lower, then they will, you know, um, take some, uh, from the market, the Canadian dollar, so it goes higher. So they are allowing in a certain um, level of floating, 
higher than that, they will intervene. Lower than that, they will intervene. So it it is a float because in the theory, the value of the currency is determined by the market forces. But it is a dirty float as opposed to a clean float because the central bank of country, as we said, will intervene in the foreign exchange market to try to maintain the value for its currencies. If it's depreciated too rapidly against the important reference of currencies. So if the Canadian dollars goes really low, that will hurt the economy of Canadians uh, because then um, there would be less money in flow because the, the dollar keeps going down. Things get very expensive, like uh, foreigner goods. And if it goes really high, more than 0.8, for example, then you will see that Canadian, um, the product of Canadian, Canadian product outside becomes very expensive. So people will have less demand. So this is why they keep it in a certain level. Now, what we have is something called, every country has something called central bank. A central bank is a generic name giving to a country primary monetary authority such as the Federal Reserve System in the United States or Bank of Canada in Canada. Central, everybody has, every country has central bank, but they named it differently. Central bank is a generic name. Now, if you look at it, central bank is a bank for all the local, all the banks. So if you have so many banks here like TD, RBC, BMO, all these are banks, which is in Canada, they have one bank, uh, which is these banks banking them in it. So um, that's called central bank. A central bank usually has the responsibility for issuing currencies, administrating money policies, um, you know, because we took in fiscal policy, monetary policy, so they are administrating it. Holding members' banks' deposit. So as we said, it's a, it's a bank for all the banks. Uh, and facilitating the nation banking industry, putting the industry, the laws, the rules, the regulation, how other banks works, supposed to work. Now we have another body called International Monetary Fund or IMF. IMF will explain it uh, later on. It, it, it's a bank for international giving money to uh, countries. One criticism that the IMF is a one-size-fits-all approach to macroeconomic policy inappropriate for, money, for many countries. They have a one-straight policies, like their policies, that they, other countries see it inappropriate sometimes. They're, it's not customized. The critic argue that the tight macroeconomic policy imposed by IMF are not well suited to countries that are suffering, not from excessive government uh, spending and inflation, but from a private sector's debit crisis with a deflationary undertone. So <clears throat> as you know, sometimes um, the government may be borrowing so much money or using uh, spending too much money. And uh, sometimes the problem is not at that level. It could be at the private sector level, which is there is a, de a debt crisis. The private companies or private sectors have lots of debts. 
and might be lowering their prices. So it's not necessary when a country have a problem, it's on a macro level. It could be on the, um, you know, uh, macro level of government issues, could be on the macro level of um, private businesses. But IMF, what it does is really looks at one thing, always macro level on the government, how the government supposed to solve the problem. More about the IMF. The final criticism of the IMF, International Money Fund, is that it has become too powerful for an institution that lack of any real mechanism or accountability. You will see that there is no accountabilities, no rules and regulation. Suddenly they try to help this country, but the next country, which is a neighbor, because politically incorrect, or they're not interested in the following the mainstream, they might not get the support from them. So there is no accountabilities in the real mechanisms there. Now, the purpose of IMF is really to lend foreigner currencies to members to tide them over during the short period of balance of payment deficit. So let's say, for example, Greece in the old days, they had a, a shortage of balance of payment. So what they are paying um, due to the trade, importing things more than what they're getting from their export. Uh, there is balance of payment deficit. So they're giving them in the short term some uh, money, foreign currencies, so to balance them. Because if they don't have money to pay, it's very hard for them to import. So the IMF comes and lend them for them to import. In order to receive such money, currency must obtain abide by certain regulation and economics restriction. As we said, IMF can be very selective and help certain countries politically uh, influence than other countries. That's one thing. The second thing, when they lend these countries, they will put uh, some rules and restrictions on them. The World Bank organization is not one silent entity, but rather a group of five institutions of their own world. Now we spoke about IMF, now we're speaking about the World Bank. The World Bank is not one single, it has so many things around it. The World Bank group consists of five associated institutions. One is called IBRD or the International Bank of Reconstruction and Development. The activity mostly of most interest of to people in international business. IDA or International Development Association. We have IFS, which is International Finance Corporation. We have MIGA, which is Multilateral Investment Guarantee Agencies. And we have ICCID, which is International Center for Settlement of uh, Investment and Distribute. Each one has different rules and responsibilities to cover. 
if you have a free time, you might go in each one and see how they, are, they do work. Now, back to the fixed versus floating exchange rate. Fixed exchange rate, monetary policy, I'm sorry, um, fixed exchange rate. There is, in the fixed exchange rate, there is a monetary discipline. Like, you know, they keeping the money pegged or fixed money. So when it's, the, as we said, there is not much demand for them, for their currency, they go and buy their currencies. When there is a lots of demand, they uh, produce more currencies, so they keep the tricks. There's some speculations in it. So they look at it, whether it's going up and down, they do that. There is uncertainties because, you know, uh, they might uh, get shortage of keeping that fixed. So there's uncertainties. And there is a trace balance adjustment, uh, adjustment which is, you know, um, as we said, if there is an export more than import, you see that there's a tendency of their currency goes higher and higher because everybody wants to buy their currency to pay for them. So um, they will cut short on the trade uh, balance adjustment. Then you have the floating exchange rate have two main elements, which is monetary policy autonomy, semi-autonomy, well, yes, autonomy probably, that the money goes up and down according to the market and there is automatic trade balance adjustment. So this currency, as we said, goes high, there's less demand for their product, and people buy less from them and vice versa. Now, exchange rate regimes in a practice. Government around the world pursue a number of a different exchange rate policies. There's a 21% of the IMF members allow their currency to float freely. Another 23% intervene uh, only in a limited way, which is the dirt float, floating or can the managed float. And 43% use more flexible and flexible system, including fixed baked arrangement. So almost half of the uh, countries uh, kind of use fixed exchange or peg against certain currencies. Under a peg exchange rate regime, a country will be pegged the value of its currencies to uh, that of a major currency so that, for example, the US dollar raises in value, its own currency raises in value. And we brought the example of Durham in UAE where they peg it against uh, US dollars. Pegged exchange rates, are more popular among many of the world's smaller regions because they are not into into that big, uh, cunt, uh, you know, the world of exchanging. So they just pick it against one country so they can focus on keeping their rates stable. Now then, you have the currency board, which is a current a country that introduced a currency board commits itself to converting its domestic currency on a demand into another at a fixed exchange rate. A good, very few countries like uh, they do that is like uh, Switzerland and probably 
Kuwait does that, and I believe Bahrain. Kuwait, what it does, it, it commits itself not only in US for US dollars, US dollar, British pound, euro, and they say we are willing to supply you as much as you want if, if you want to um, demand our Kuwaiti dinars or demand one of these currencies. We have all these and we will be keeping the amount of the Kuwaiti dinars, which is the highest in the world at this level. So guarantee that if you have any, any request to convert, they will convert these list of the currencies to another currencies. As the currency board or good basket money. Now, there is a finance, different type of financial crisis. It is what you call currency crisis occurs when a prospective attack on exchange value of a currency result in a sharp uh, depreciation. Like what's happening in the, some countries like Venezuela, Iran, there is uh, uh, an attack on their uh, currencies and sharp depreciation in their currency. There's what you call also a bank crisis, referred to a loss of confidence in the banking system, like what's happening in Iraq, for example. The first one, Iran, this one in Iraq, people don't trust the bank system, banking system, so there is a banking crisis. And what do you call the foreigner debt crisis? What's happening in Greece is in the situation which a country cannot service its own debt obligation, whether a private or a government. This in Hungary and also in Greece, they were not able to pay their debt. So um, that's what you call foreigner debt crisis. Evaluating the IMF policy uh, prescription. All IMF loan package come with a condition attached to it. Um, until very recently, the IMF has insisted on the combination of tight macroeconomic policies, including cuts in the public spending, higher interest rate, and tight monetary policies. See, all these, and they're not talking about uh, uh, corruptions, for example, government corruptions. So the government might be borrowing money and due to the, some corruption, spending it on something else and people of that country have to pay that. But here, what they're looking at, they're looking at the tight microeconomic policies, they're looking at the cutting in the public spending, um, making higher interest rates so people borrow less and making a very tight money policy, which is sometimes is unacceptable for countries. Now, now there is there where sometimes it's when we say this policy doesn't fit everybody, so they might be very inappropriate policies for certain countries. One criticism that the IMF traditional policy prescription represent one size fits all. You cannot put all these rules to one country. Approach economic policy that inappropriate for many countries. Some countries, you know, they they are taking that money because they want to spend on the people to, for example, on education. Now, they tell them, we'll give you money, but don't spend people on people education or something like, for example, or something like that. So they are giving one size fits all. Now, there is a moral hazard 
which is a second criticism of IMF is that rescue effort of exaggerating a problem known as an economics as a moral hazard. So what's a moral hazard? Moral hazard arise when the people behave practically because they know they will be saved if they things go wrong. So if you get the money and you spend it, you know the bank can give you more. If you have money now and you spend it, you know the bank will give you more. So there is a moral hazard and you become um, irresponsible as a country. There is a lack of accountability. The final criticism of IMF is that it has become too powerful for an institution that lacks of any real mechanism for accountability. There is no accountability. Sometimes, as we say, they give this country because for a certain political reason and not given to another country, which is probably stands for a better economic conditions. So there is no accountability. But overall, they also have helping lots of countries. We have a tendency of forgetting that the good part of IMF, but there is lots of bad part also. So this is the end of uh, the chapter. Please look forward to answer your assignment as a group. Thank you very much and bye-bye.